0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, Jude, I'm excited because today we get to welcome back the human mic drop himself. We sign off every week with him, but this week we're kicking it off by welcoming back the one and only... Nick Sandy. Welcome back, Nick. (laughs) Welcome, Nick. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Hey, man.
1: That was such a good intro. I am just, wow. Wow. How do you feel about being called the human mic drop? I mean, I just want to, I want a jersey that says that on the back of it.
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Add it to our list of merch. (laughs) Our
0: our long list of to-do of merch.
1: (laughs) That's spectacular.
0: Yeah. Well, how's it going, man?
1: Oh, man, it's going great. It's been a really good uh, end of the summer. Like uh, I was telling Jude earlier, like we just had two really quick vacations that were really great. Went to Eastern Washington, went to Vegas for the first time for like 22 hours, which was crazy.
0: Wow. Yeah, I saw the Insta story on that. That seemed wild.
1: Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's just been a really great end of the summer.
2: And you came back from Vegas ready to retire, right?
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fully ready to retire. That much fun, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Okay. So I was telling, and I was telling you the one time I went to Vegas, I was in like fifth grade. Right. And so we were at Circus Circus and essentially what I would do, me and my friend that was there, my dad would be playing the slot machines and I would be off on this red carpet that kids were allowed to walk on to kind of get to the big top area. And I would just stand on that carpet and watch his slot machine. And every time it paid, I would take off running Grab his quarters and then take <laughs> off and go spin them all in the video games.
0: <laughs>
1: That's awesome,
0: dude. I think it's safe to say you might have the wildest Vegas story I've ever heard.
2: <laughs> uh, I can tell you more about that, but I will save it for off pod. <laughs>
1: Stick around to the end tag, everybody. Maybe it'll be
2: the story about Vegas. You never know.
0: (laughs) Thank you for that tease. (laughs) Well, you know, it's been quite a while since we've had you on the podcast. I think the last time you were here, it was when we were doing our wrap-up for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, obviously, there's been a lot of new stuff in the MCU regarding movies. Uh, We had the whole Loki series, as well as some pretty big trailers drop since the last time you were here is there any potential one that sticks out to you
1: oh man i mean there's you know so much obviously that happened uh, loki was riveting like honestly it was so good that I got into so I work at a church and I went in early on the last episode so I can put the the episode on the big screen <laughs> nice and I just I watched it like all by myself at, like you know eight o'clock in the morning just like sitting there on the big screen watching it with the, the booming sound and everything
0: I remember you sending me photos of that that is such an amazing way to watch it and if I'm not mistaken you had fallen behind because you were just we're taking a break from watching it week to week so you had just caught up in time for the finale what a way to watch it
1: oh yeah it was just like boom 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 and then right into the finale it was awesome uh, and then you know go ahead G-
2: i was just gonna say that just sounds like an awesome experience to get it to see on a big screen like that
1: it's pretty awesome i've i've done uh, i think two episodes of what if in the big screen as well so
2: <laughs> nice nice <laughs>
1: Uh, and then on top of that, I mean, you know, all the trailers. Um, obviously, Spider-Man. Like, mm-hmm. holy moly! Like, I'm just waiting with bated
2: breath. That movie can't come soon enough.
1: Legitimately, can't
2: come soon enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, where where do you stand? Are you going to watch the next trailer? I think that I think they're going to put it in front of the Venom too.
1: You know, I, I heard you say on the last pod uh, that I listened to that you're like, you're done. You're like, I'm not watching any more trailers. And then I'm pretty sure Trey was the one who said that you have more willpower than him. And you have, <laughs> boy, do you have more willpower than me? Because as soon as it comes <laughs> out, I'm going to watch it like five times.
2: <laughs> well, okay. A friend of mine who swears off all trailers, he's like, if I, all trailers, not just Marvel. He's like, if I'm going to see it, I'm not going to watch the trailer. He watched the Spider-Man trailer because he listened to
0: our pod. Oh, well, I'm glad we're a bad influence. (laughs) If that friend's listening, sorry. Sorry, sorry, Jonathan. (laughs) Yeah, I admire the strength of anybody who can resist that second trailer because I know I can't. And it's, it's to the point where, man, we're getting sidetracked already. I love it. It's to the point where that movie is already so big that... I know I'm not going to avoid screenshots or memes or trailers. And if I'm going to experience it, I want to experience it on my own terms for the first time, rather than just seeing it like repurposed as a meme. Wow. That's true. Yeah. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, beyond that, though, like I, I, I haven't seen Black Widow yet, and I also haven't seen shang Chi yet. And the reason I haven't seen shang Chi yet is because I'm debating whether or not to take my son, who just turned five, and um, you know he's never been to a movie before, and I'm thinking like he loves superhero movies. I'm thinking like how cool would it be to take him to his first movie, his first superhero movie, and have it be an Asian superhero. For those of you guys that don't know, like I am, uh, I'm full Korean, and so to have him look up on the screen first, a- first superhero superhero. superhero movie and a guy that looks like him like you know that's something that i'm I'm like man this would be awesome like how cool of an experience is this to look back and be like that was the first movie i saw but i'm just trying to feel out if it's gonna if he's gonna you know sit still for two hours (laughs) in a movie theater (laughs) you know if he's not gonna talk the whole time so
2: yeah (laughs) you know what i i would like to highly encourage you to do that for my daughters they they had seen superhero movies already but getting to take them to captain marvel Mm. And them getting to watch Captain Marvel and me watching Captain Marvel with them was just an amazing experience. Um, mm. it, it really was and all three of them love that movie I mean they, it not just I mean it's a good movie right but yeah. yeah I would highly recommend that I think that would be such a wonderful experience and it's, it's such a unique opportunity as well The like you said to have that first experience and, and to get to see that representation
1: I'm gonna like wait till like a Monday matinee you know when there's not gonna be a lot of people there hopefully we can get a whole theater to ourselves so if he just ends up talking and asking me all these questions I like, can be like not worried that someone's gonna be mad at me
0: <laughs> yeah that's really special, man. I hope you get to pull that off, because that's, that's like one of those life-cementing experiences that I think he'll remember fondly. So that's really <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. Well, thank you for catching us up on your thoughts on the MCU at large. But of course, if you've downloaded this episode, uh, you know we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 5 of What If, which is entitled, What If Zombies? So the way we're going to do this is we're going to have some pre-spoiler thoughts, and then you'll hear an audio cue where we will go into the spoiler zone and break the episode down into three acts. So before we get there, we're going to start with you, Nick. Do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts for this episode?
1: Uh, This is an episode that I think capitalized so well on the style, like being an animated show. Uh, just was able to pull off something that I don't think they would have been able to pull off with live action. And I, I think like, you know, they've been leading up to it. I think last week's episode had a lot of fantastical things too, but it could have probably been done live action. But this one was like, man, what a great, great usage of the medium, like uh, the animation style. And so yeah, it was really fun to watch and, and see how they drew things and see how they animated it. And uh, it was, yeah, really fun to watch. What about
0: you, Jude?
2: Yeah, so I, I'm gonna stick with like last week in our initial like social media response. Um, I feel like this sh- series finally hit its stride with this episode, uh, which it kind of makes sense. Most episodic or you know shows like this take about four or five episodes to get going. Um, I expected it to get going a little bit sooner just because you're already working with material. I guess if that makes sense, but this one. In Doctor Strange went in this one really. I feel like they, they kind of figured out what they're doing. But I really like what Nick said because last week the animation I think worked really well. And this week it, the animation was fantastic for the style, which makes me wonder if they should have changed animation styles per episode to fit. Now, I mean, that probably gets costly, you know, but I, I completely agree that, that the animation just stylistically worked so great for for what they did here.
1: You know, going just to what you said about this one and Doctor Strange, I feel like this episode and the last week's episode were the first one where they I, they didn't spoon-feed us really anything. You know, that those first two were like, just in case you haven't seen anything, we're going to really catch you up on everything that's going on, you know? <laughs> but, you know, this one, like, Peter Parker was just like, boom, you know who Spider-Man is. Like, boom, you, you should know who Ant-Man is. Boom, you should know who all these people are by now. Like, we're just going to jump you into this is the universe, you know?
0: Well, you know, kind of bridging in between both of y'all's thoughts, One of my pre-spoiler thoughts is I think this is the strongest episode of the season so far, and it's been because it has strayed the furthest from what we know. And looping it back into what you two said, I think it is because it's taking advantage of being in that animated format and having a little bit more fun with it, pulling off things that I don't think you could do in live action, and that felt bold. Uh, So I really appreciated that. What I mentioned in our social media post is that it took, the familiar tropes of both zombie and superhero stories and it blended it into something that also felt perfect for this format as well Um, and finally the last one that I'll I'll put here in the pre-spoiler thoughts is I think the thing that worked the most for me is that this episode brought together characters who had minimal if any interactions in the movies at all and I think that's really special because I'd rather see what hasn't been done before than remixes of what has been So I appreciated that about this episode as well.
1: That's a great point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our pre-spoiler thought. So like we said, there's going to be an audio cue. And on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU, except Shang-Chi and Black Widow. But everything else, fair game. So we'll see you on the other side. And we're back. So we started this last week. We're going to continue the trend this week where we're going to break down this episode into three acts rather than going through most important topics. So act one is going to take us from the beginning of the episode where we have uh, Hulk being sent back to the Sanctum Sanctorum like he was in Infinity War, except when he arrives, he has discovered there is a zombie apocalypse in the works. And that'll take us all the way until we see the heroes daring their train escape. So... Starting with you, Nick, where would you like to start with in this act?
1: Okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's our Bruce Banner, right? As far as, like... That's, like, the main MCU timeline Bruce Banner, right?
0: That's the way I took it. Me too.
1: So, like, that for me is, like, that's... that's you know, we were talking, you guys were talking last week about, like, if there's going to be some overarching, you know, storyline, it's obviously going to be the identical tentacles. <laughs> but
0: <laughs>
1: but now, like, this is, if I think this is the first time regular, our MCU timeline has crossed into a different timeline.
0: Hmm. I'm doing a quick, just kind of recount of the episodes, and I think you're right. Because obviously Captain Carter was different, T'Challa was way different, the closest one I think we got is Doctor Strange, but even then, like we pointed out, he was already changed until we got to the point we were familiar with in the movies. So yeah, that's a very astute observation, Nick. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so that that was my big thing. Like I was like, wait a minute, did they just say? Did he just say? You know? And then yeah, so I thought that if is that's gonna is that gonna somehow tie into this all thing like coming together? Is that gonna tie in somehow more than that? Because yeah.
2: Well, I was gonna say I, what I li- also like about that is it really. It, it it did give me that feeling, um, which actually pre spoiler wise, I, I think you're hundred percent dead on in that first episode, first two, where it's like we got a spoon feed you, you might not remember this. Um, whereas this one they just drop you right in. That, that's the other thing I really liked about this uh, opening sequence is it's something very familiar and then there's a left turn. Um, you know. Uh and, similar to that episode three. So that's, that's something I really liked about it.
0: You know, sticking with the scene and and playing off what you two have said, uh, I mentioned in my pre-spoiler thoughts that the thing I enjoyed was the blending of the tropes of the different genres, Uh, starting with that familiar of Hulk being teleported back to the Sanctum Sanctorum, but the off feeling of nobody being around to answer him, surplants that dread of Thanos arriving with that (laughs) all too familiar dread of a zombie movie. Like, so often those stories start where it is an isolated character who's slowly stepping into that unfamiliar of recognizing that something's slightly off. So that was a nice, almost meta blend of how that works. And it's it's fun to see them weave familiarity and unfamiliarity in such a short time frame.
1: Yeah, there are definitely shades of like 28 days later. I thought of, you know, when uh, Celia Murphy wakes up after being in a coma and like everything's totally different you know and just yeah
0: yeah. well let me ask you this Nick what did you think in that moment where Bruce is going outside and he has that realization where he sees Tony's hand come through Strange's portal and like repulsor blasts the the, the arrivals like how did you feel once that turn happened and it was zombies Uh,
1: almost kind of like giddy in a way like you know obviously like going in you know that it's the zombies but you're just like oh ho, 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 yeah let's
0: go this is going to be crazy you know <laughs> Did you know, going in?
1: That it was going to be zombies?
0: Yeah, well, the title. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, what if zombies? Yeah, I kind of thought, okay, there's going to be zombies. And then, you you know, you get enough of it to be like, oh, dang, like, something's totally different. So,
2: Well, and and on that, with the familiar and something new, this this is the first time I think I've seen, outside of like a YouTube edit, right? uh, The blending of the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp within its proper place in the timeline in Infinity War. Um, and so that's that's something I really enjoyed and thought it was really clever of how they got the zombies there, R- rather than, um, or, or in terms of explanation, right? Rather than just kind of dropping in there without any explanation.
1: I always love a good zombie apocalypse explanation. Like how did this happen? Was it moonbeams from Mars and radiation or was it really angry uh, monkeys or whatever? You know, like I love hearing how they're explaining what happened with the zombies. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's an organic wrap up into, I feel like I'm going to be saying this a lot through the episode, but that blending of the two, two genres. Mm -hmm. Speaking of this scene where uh, the revelation for Banner, it, it being that they're the undead, as soon as I saw that scene, I flash back to a conversation that I had with our friend Rob Logan uh, when I was hanging out in one of his Twitch streams. Uh, he's made it known he's not a fan of this episode, specifically because he's not a fan of zombies in general. Uh-huh. And when we were talking, I remember saying like, yeah, I like zombies well enough, but there's something about making our superheroes zombies that I just feel really ambivalent about. <laughs> like, I just I'm sure I was going to enjoy it, but it was just not something that I was looking forward to within five minutes this episode helped me articulate why and then prove to me why it works and that was seeing a zombie-fied tony still using his superpowers dr strange still using his superpowers that feels like a unique spin on the zombie genre that i was not expecting at all and so immediately In that little sequence, I went from kind of like, okay, well, this doesn't make sense to like, all right, I'm in. I'm strapped in and I'm ready for this ride. Well, and that's
2: another thing where I don't think this works if you try to do it live action, you know, just the, the using of the powers, um, which again, you can get a lot, you can get away with a lot more with animated.
0: Like that surviving the zombie apocalypse video that Peter Parker made for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What'd you think of that?
1: So funny. It definitely kind of brought me back to Zombieland.
0: Yeah, that's a very... It's a mix of Zombieland, and I don't know if you've seen this movie, but Mitchell's vs. the Machine? Yeah, I think it was a Netflix movie where it had a very similar... I don't want to say style because the style is a lot closer to Into the Spider-Verse, but it's that same feeling of like a younger person expressing themselves through media that way. And it was such a nice spin on Peter Parker because we know he already has an affinity for it based off the things that he recorded at the beginning of Spider-Man Homecoming.
2: Right. I think this might be one of the first times, Trey, you've said you've watched something and I haven't seen it.
0: (laughs) That's our what if.
1: Dude, you gotta grab the grab the girls and like go watch that movie like as soon as you can. It's so good.
0: Bring a box of tissues though. It's a tearjerker. Okay, I'll be right back.
1: Okay, <laughs> and we're back.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, Trey, you know that that was done by the same team that did Into the Spider Verse, right?
0: Yeah, same animation team, right? Not the same directors.
1: Uh, right. I don't think it's the same directors, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, same animation team for sure.
0: Yeah, that that's a really really good movie. We'll make sure to link to it in the show notes for a trailer. If if it it kind of flew under the radar, I think it was one of those movies that got caught in the shuffle of the pandemic and it didn't get the second marketing surge and it just kind of landed on Netflix. But it's so worth the watch.
1: So worth the yeah.
0: watch. PG.
2: I, I just looked it up. IMDb. PG. Uh,
1: it's the best family movie I've seen in years.
2: I'm in. I'll I'll watch it. I will watch it, Trey.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. That's
2: also a big statement, though, to say it's the best family movie you've seen in years. Just because, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff that's come out. Yeah. Like yeah. Endgame. <laughs> wait is that not family is that
1: <laughs> I, I i was watching uh uh infinity war with my son brixton and i was i had to prep him for like the end i was just like okay this is what's this is it's coming i just this is a movie we're gonna get there it's okay it's okay <laughs> how did he take
0: it
1: <laughs> at first there was definitely even though we had talked about it like especially like when peter goes down he's just like wait did they, did they and he loves he just he's really obsessed with death because he's a four or five year old. He's like, Did they die? Did they die? Oh. Did Peter just die? And I'm just like, I, I I can't tell you. We're gonna have to keep watching, you know, but like <laughs> just like, oh my gosh, you know, like what's going on?
0: <laughs> Not to keep sidetracking us, but I have to say this. Jude was mentioning in the Discord that he was going through the movies with your oldest, right? Mm-hmm. Or tried to. Let's put it that way. And so, when we were in the Discord, we were, we were all just <laughs> pitching different runs that he could do. And I still stand by this. You should do the strongest will run, where you show them Infinity War and make them wait a year until they get to watch in-game. <laughs> 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 and this is a good reason why <laughs> I'm not a parent.
2: <laughs> not, not only are we doing release order, we're doing the wait as well. <laughs> So it's going to take you <laughs> 10 years ten to get years. from Iron Man to Endgame.
0: <laughs> you got to appreciate it like I did. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if I did that with Star Wars. Oh, oh
1: whoa. my gosh. <laughs>
0: you know, what? getting back to the episode. uh, I do want to mention, uh, I really enjoyed the pairing of Kurt and Peter. Uh, It started in that video, but they really had a nice dynamic in the episode. That little montage of like surviving the apocalypse that Peter made was just so good, especially seeing how disgruntled happy was. Like I need more of Peter and happy in the MCU.
2: (laughs) December. Um, You know what? I I really like the emphasis on Hope Van Dyne. I really liked her having a big central role.
0: Yeah, like I think both times that the Avengers have been front and center in this series was the Nick Fury episode in this one. In the Nick Fury episode, we saw Hank as Ant-Man get really involved in the happenings of that episode. And then with this one, we see Hope Van Dyne. And I think it's a nice, I don't know if it's homage, but like a a callback to, from my understanding, both Ant-Man and the Wasp being very fundamental to the Avengers. So even though that's not how it played out in the prime timeline, it's nice to get to see them much more ingrained here.
2: Oh, yeah, because they were original Avengers. Well, they Ant-Man, but yeah.
1: Um, it was nice to see um, Sebastian Stan get another run at uh, his voice acting career.
0: <laughs> did it improve for you in this one?
1: I think he did considerably better. I don't know if maybe he heard the first one and he was like, oh, I can do that better. But <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, I I, I wondered, because I agree with you. He did so much better. Do you think he changed his approach based on genre, like zombie apocalypse I'm Winter Soldier. Here, it's
0: 1940s. I'm Bucky. Oh. I think that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Because when we meet up with him in the first episode, he hasn't gone through the torture that he did in the movies. So, yeah, I think you're onto to something there.
2: And, and I didn't think about that at the time of watching the first episode. I was with you the first episode of, like... Uh, this isn't good
1: so is she with you
0: <laughs> robot 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 voice yes. oh that's man. my that's my best
1: impression you almost ripped my arm off like it was so stiff and stale <laughs> oh
2: man. Uh,
1: and then oh wait is now i'm scared that she's not in this yeah she's in the beginning sharon sharon Yeah, great to see Sharon back. Great, uh, you know it hasn't been that long, but good to see her fighting for the good good guys again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I was about to say like I didn't even think I didn't I didn't see Sharon Carter and once think oh the power broker or like change my opinion of her, you know, and I don't know if that shows that Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't have or Sharon Carter from Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't have a lasting impact or, you know, or if I was just kind of sucked into this episode. But again, I mean, if you think about it, it was very female. I mean, for having, you know, we start with Hulk and all that other stuff. It was very female centered as far as leading the group, which was, you know, and the inside characters in the main movies getting an upfront role.
0: You know, speaking to the Sharon Carter aspect of this, it makes me wonder what her relationship to the avengers is in this timeline because after falcon and the winter soldier we know that she was severely spurned by them because she was kind of left out to dry after the events of civil war and this we get that montage where it's like the watcher says the irony is that the avengers showing up is what sealed the fate of humanity the Avengers were working together. They didn't look like they were disbanded quite like they were at the beginning of Infinity War. Mm. So I wonder what it means for the trajectory of Sharon Carter that she is there at the end of the world with them, given that there is no fallout. Great though. point.
2: Yeah, I didn't think about that. Uh huh. Well, okay, so aside from hmm, Hulk, that's another thing. Aside from Hulk, the only ones that were zombies were dusted or were not dusted?
1: No, Doctor Strange was... Dusted.
2: Yeah. Okay. Doctor Strange was dusted, and Falcon, Falcon, and Hope. No, I'm saying the only ones that were zombies.
1: Oh, right, 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 right.
2: Hawkeye wasn't dusted. No, no, that's right, and he was a zombie.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying.
2: Yeah, but yeah, like like the ones that were zombies was the the group in Infinity War that did not get dusted.
0: So it's almost like we're getting to see a what if it was a flip of the event of infinity war even though it wasn't the same catalyst yeah. but that same feeling of what would happen if this was the team that was left over
2: yeah and cuz i think i think hulk is the only one that didn't get dusted or that got yeah that didn't get dusted and wasn't a zombie right away
0: yeah that's a really nice observation
2: hmm. uh, yeah nick sandy oh wait uh, <laughs> <laughs> mic <Mike> drop <trip.
1: laughs> let me just drop my mic real quick <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I I think I have two more points that I want to bring up before we move into the next act. So I'll kind of go through them quickly. The first one, you know, I talked again about the blending of the genres. Another moment that I really liked is that scene in the train station where it's the familiar trope of they get to this place. They found a way out, but they have to work together to get it running. It was really cool to watch as Hope was shrinking down and going into the engine of the train to try and see what was going on. Uh, Meanwhile, Peter Parker has used his webs to try and create like um, a slingshotting effect of the train. And as he's doing that, you see the zombies in the background getting closer to him. So it's these fantastical stuff that's blended with that horror element as well. And that works surprisingly well for me.
2: Yeah, like, I don't know how y'all f- felt, but I thought, uh, and, and just, again, this just shows the how well they did with the genre, is I thought Peter was gone. Yeah. Like, I thought he was a goner there. You know, and that's that's just them, the, the sequencing, the directing, all of that right there, they've just done so well. Do you think
1: it was uh, an homage to Spider-Man 2? him stopping the train with his spider webs to him starting the train with the spider webs
2: I kind of do That's great I think yeah I kind of do I think you're right
1: I just you know that was the last time I saw him doing anything with the train I feel like <laughs> Yeah and he was doing the exact same thing in reverse you know
0: <laughs> I mean that scene is iconic in not only Spider-Man films but superhero films so you put Spider-Man with the train like you have to be doing some sort of callback to it
2: Yeah I I do think you're right on that Neat <laughs>
0: Well, the last point that I want to bring up, and I'm honestly surprised it took this long to get to it. I can't get enough of Happy Hogan. Jon Favreau is just, he feels like the perfect foil for the fantastical nature of the Avengers. Because I texted you this, Jude. I was so excited to share this with you. I made this realization about Happy Hogan last night. He is John McClane in the universe of Avengers, except it's not as impressive because everybody else is a superhero, but he is that like ordinary hero who is constantly upstaged by them.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Now I'm just, I'm just imagining a one shot of happy Hogan, like trying to save the Nakatomi tower.
0: Right. (laughs) And the West Coast Avengers, have a few laughs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I, I didn't know how much I wanted that until just now. <laughs> but yeah, Happy Hogan, yeah. I think. I, I, I've been awarding MVPs of the episode the last couple of weeks. He came close. I think he has my heart in this episode, but I'm, I'll save the MVP award for somebody later on in the episode. But he was so good,
1: and it's, it's nice to see. Like I, you know, obviously I've never met John Favreau. Um, <laughs> you know, he'll he'll help, he'll come on the pod someday, right? Like, oh
0: yeah, I hope so. Yeah,
1: um, oh, but just to see
0: <laughs> John Favreau, this is an open invitation if you'd ever like to join. Okay, continue.
1: <laughs> but just to see him like write this character that. You know, is, is occasionally bumbling, occasionally heroic, um, and occasionally, you know, up, often uh, upstaged by the other superheroes. It's fun to see him be able to, like, kind of poke fun at himself and, like, put him in this character as just kind of occasionally a goober, you know, and um, just play it so well and so straight, you know
0: what I mean?
2: hmm. Well, what was the line about the chauffeur?
1: I'm not a <laughs> taxi driver.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. I think I actually wrote it down. Yeah, he said, uh, I'm not an Uber driver. I'm a personal chauffeur. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true forehead of security. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, I think that's going to wrap up Act One, which will bring us into the second act. This one's going to take us from the moment of their escape when they are in transit to Camp Lehigh all the way until the... Twist of visions doings so uh starting with you jude where would you like to start
2: i like that we got to see a face off between uh bucky and cap i don't know why i just felt and and that was in the promotional trailer like you knew it was coming uh but for some reason it was just a really satisfying moment
1: yeah i like i thought everything from his introduction uh from you know Cap's introduction when he lands on the, the top of the train, like, cause you know, uh, even though it wasn't the material, like when, you know, when you hear him come, I'm like, Oh wait, who is this? Like, who is it, Who is it? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then to have it be Cap was just like, Oh snap. Like we're like, we're here. Like we're going for it. It's awesome.
2: Yeah. Well, cause I mean, th- you deal with it in a couple of different ways. Like that's stereotypical of the zombie genre, right? Someone's faced with a loved one, but it's a zombie Right, and it's like so. You want to kill the zombie, but it's their loved one, and and uh, and then later we get the other stereotype, the other trope—not stereotype, the other trope—of like, oh, someone is is bit, and they're gonna turn. What do you do? You know, and so, and so the episode covered all that. But to see that that moment between the two of them was really good, and also, I mean, putting it in that context, like. He was very Winter Soldier about
0: it. He didn't seem conflicted. (laughs) Right. He went right down to business, like caught that shield and threw it like he had no issues. (laughs) But you're right. And I think, you know, the first thing that I honestly thought of is you've been kind of keeping me in check because I think the last time we saw the shield was in episode three with Nick Fury. And you brought it up. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, it's kind of like what you were saying last week, where are we seeing the shield too much? And I didn't bring it up then, but I didn't feel the same way I felt about it being in the collector's uh, collection. And I didn't really have a reason to articulate why then. Seeing this episode where the kind of zombie cap and Bucky face off, it was because the shield in the context of like a fallen hero made more sense to the weight than it just being a prop on somebody's collection. And so mm. that plays into what you were saying about that trope of seeing a friend who's been bitten and having to deal with that ramifications. Bucky and Steve are shortcuts for those emotional story beats that they just played so well within that trope together.
2: Right
1: now, Trey, when you say enough to like carry the weight, do you think it would be enough to carry the weight of like a truck falling off of a cliff? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just wondering.
2: You know like what, if, Nick? I, I think their relationship's strong, but it might not be that strong.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: where, where did I get my money back on this mediator? By the way. <laughs> oh man! I was never here to mediate. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I don't know where to go from here.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about Sharon and this okay. act too. Yeah. Because I love that they took the beat from all the memes about Ant-Man and Thanos. And they kind of they kind of played it up a little bit in this one. They did. It would have worked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this may get cut, but I have to at least tell you Nick, there is a in-tag that we had to get rid of because we didn't want to bring it up. You navigated that very gracefully. And for the people who know what we're talking about, you know. But I support your point, Nick. (laughs) Look, even Josh Brolin himself acknowledged the theory. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well... I, I will say, my friend Ken did text me saying, Ant-Man is the most dangerous hero.
0: <laughs> I guess we should all be so fortunate that Scott Lang has a heart of gold. <laughs> uh,
2: check, check, check the socials to, to get the rest of it.
0: I'm excited. You just gave me a green light and I'm going to take that. (laughs) Well, you know, getting back to the episode, uh, one thing I wanted to zone in on is I, I talked about the emotional shortcut you can take with the established relationship of both Steve and Bucky when they had their moment. Another one that really worked for me is whenever Peter's giving his speech about the, you know, staying upbeat and holding on to hope. And it made me realize that it's amazing how many emotional shortcuts you can take with Peter because his story is so ingrained with the general population that you could just hammer home that stuff. Because I'm not going to lie, I was tearing up during that scene. Uh, It could be because I am a sucker for stories about holding on to hope, but I thought it was done really well.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good point you're making, especially about like Peter Parker being such a well known, like character with his with his backstory, it's almost like, you know, you could say the same thing with like, Batman, even though he, he would probably never give a speech that, you know, uh, emotionally pulling, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's those shortcuts that you can take. And that's a, that's a good observation, I think. And mm-hmm. even you can kind of drop in different characters. And, and like you were saying earlier, these two characters who would have barely any, I don't even know if they ever meet face to face, maybe in that scene in Endgame when Peter has the Infinity Gauntlet, but like, yeah. um, you know, to have those two characters that are so far away removed come together and have this really, really, really special moment um, is, yeah, that's cool. Well,
0: because he even mentions like Mr. Stark, which we have that, which is it's it's the most recent one, so that that tracks, but we have that emotional connection from the movies, but uh, he mentions Uncle Ben as well. And that's something that's not been established in the MCU. It's just kind of been taken for granted, I guess, or understood on a con- subconscious level for the audience. So having that moment here where he groups it in with Mr. Stark, it was just like, wow. Like it made me pause and realize how much Peter has lost.
2: Well, and I'm glad they went that way, right, with the, with the story. Um, I mean, because an alternative would have been... I don't know. I mean, I guess you could have had Winter Soldier like shoot her in the head, and Trey would have thought it's over the top. But um, so
0: <laughs> taking punches left and right.
2: <laughs> in fairness, I know you weren't the only one that thought it was over the top. But uh. Uh, but no, I you're right. It was. It is a wonderful moment. I think that. Um, well, I mean, again, I go back to, to there. It was good to see Hope get that much of a, a role, right, and be a team leader. And it really that that scene and her making the sacrifice play was,
0: I, I think, one of my favorite parts of the episode.
1: Did any, did you guys tear up when she said "Smile for
0: me, Peter"? Yeah. What a deceivingly emotional episode, right?
2: Yeah. I will be honest, because it's the zombie genre. And I know we're getting, you know, we have our our different segments. As she went, as she was getting overwhelmed and went to the ground, well, one of my first thoughts was, are she going to, like, off herself? Like, so she doesn't turn into a zombie? It's like, are they going to go there? That was my first thought. And then when she went to the ground, I thought, oh, no. <laughs> She's still big, uh, and so like, it's <laughs> so like, because like, like I, I, you can just see it coming.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a big red flag right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I thought that was so cool too. The, the, again, the. It's a zombie story. They're stuck in an unfamiliar situation. They don't know how to get out. I love that the solution was, hey, why not let hope go big and just carry them across the horde like that? You know, that's something that feels unique and not a usual solution for stories like these. So that was another one of those twists that just was really fun to watch unfold. Mm -hmm. Which speaking of twists, Nick, how did you feel about that vision reveal?
1: Honestly, it was like the last thing I was expecting, you know, like, uh, I just, it only showed up. I'm like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> but like, as soon as he popped up, I was, I think I kind of felt like, uh, uh, Bruce, you know, I just want to kind of give him a hug. Like, Oh, of course. <laughs> like I haven't yeah. seen you since you died. So let me give you a hug, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Visions inclusion into this is one of those duh. Like it just makes sense after it's laid out, but it's so well placed that I just didn't think about it until it happened.
2: do we know when they when they wrote these and i'm just one i'm just just curious because we had wandavision where wanda is bringing vision back right and in this we have the opposite so to speak Mm -hmm. and so i'm just curious if if that was intentional off of what wandavision was you know
1: also like you know if we're undoing Civil War, we're undoing Infinity War, we're talking that they've had... Oh, this kind of gets into Act 3.
0: That's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. It doesn't matter oh, if we,
1: we bridge a little Yeah,
2: I, I, I kind of started tiptoeing into that <laughs> anyway, so...
1: Well, they've had way more time together, probably, uh, Wanda and Vision, because they, they, weren't, they weren't split up. They didn't have to have, be in secret. They've probably had, like, a full-on relationship mm-hmm. up until this point.
0: Yeah, that's really good to note. You know, it, it sounds like we're tiptoeing into the last act, so I'm going to say two quick things so we can fully transition to there. The first thing, I teased that I had a MVP of this episode. Oh, yeah. Scott Lang. Scott Lang is <laughs> easily the MVP of this episode, both in voice and character. And I've been thinking about it a lot. Like uh, We'll get to it eventually, but Jude, you texted me a friend that had some issues with the tone of the episode. You know everything is moving at such a breakneck speed that sometimes some of the sentimental moments feel goofier than they should. But I think Scott's humor is what bridged the gap of the episode's tone. Like he was able to play in those silly spaces as well as some of those harder hitting spaces as well. So he was a fantastic addition to the cast of this.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. Friend Daniel mentioned to us that this was a Futurama reference. And and I know he loved it. What I'm really curious about is, did they let Paul Rudd just improvise some of his lines in those
0: jokes? Because he's funny enough to do it. He's too charming. Like, it's unfair that one person can be that charismatic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, uh, I often have this conversation with my wife about how charming Paul Red is and how I've made her kind of a fan of him as well. And she's always just like, what do you want to be his boyfriend? I'm like, maybe <laughs> I, he's very charming, you know, and, and, and the he does, he does so well of carrying those beats between the emotional plays and like being so funny. And you see that in his, his movies that he's done, like in the Apatow universe. And then even in, uh, Endgame, I think about when he sees, um, his daughter, you know, like, that moment is so, he, he plays that so well, um, as a, as a father, and just, like, as a father myself, like, that way he looks at her, and, like, even that line, like, you're so big, is a funny line, but it's also, like, such an emotional, like gut punch, to have lost five years with your daughter and like to all of a sudden see her and like recognize her and know a thousand percent that's your daughter. But like you're so big, like, ugh.
0: And it's in yeah. his eyes too. You can feel that pain and happiness just in the look that he's giving his daughter. He's incredible. That I feel like we're pivoting to like Scott mean to Paul Rudd as being an amazing person. But yeah,
2: <laughs> I know, right? Like, like I started thinking, wow, I, I need to go rewatch Clueless.
1: <laughs> yeah so good
2: it is i'm not kidding like it's it's fantastic
1: so good such a great actor but yeah i mean trey absolutely like he he does he offers just that that comedic timing in there and and i'm sure that there are, are a hours worth of alts that he probably took <laughs> on those lines where they're just like uh you know they gave him like here's the line you say it this way do it three times once we get it and then he just probably went off you know on like tangents
0: Oh, what I would have given for Hank to chew me out one more time. Ah, there, I did it again. Another zombie <laughs> pun. That has to be improvised. <laughs> oh, well, I got one more point to make, and this will transition as well into Act 3. And it's, it's in the moments where Bucky ventures off and discovers Wanda on his own. And right before he does that, Vision gives a line where he's like, Sergeant Barnes, you won't find what you're looking for. And there's kind of like this hesitation to his voice. This paired with some things that happens in the next act. I think this is where the episode felt the weakest for me. Like, I really, really enjoyed this episode. But as much as I've been praising some of the ways they've been blending the genres of superheroes and, and zombies, this one was the one that I think felt the most paint by the numbers where... You know, that half-hearted attempt to stop Bucky, uh, the ominously whispering, you've awakened her, like all these moments felt like actions dictated by trope rather than choices made by authentic characters. And so that's where I really spelt the speed of this episode picking up. But I was already so bought in that it didn't detract that much. But it's something I wanted to highlight it since I was praising some of the other stuff so highly.
2: Well, and I think you have a good point. But I do like that they took this opportunity to show the uh, Scarlet Witch using powers without the, I don't know what to call it. Like the zombified Scarlet Witch. So you have those powers, but you don't have that humanity that, that's guiding it in a particular way, if that makes sense.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah and, and with with that. I, w- let's go ahead and transition to Act 3, which Act 3 is going to take us from that moment where Wanda is activated into the the action of the story all the way through the end. And since it's it's starting with me this time, Jude, to play off of that, she is one of, if not the most powerful character in the MCU. Having that inhibitions just taken away and it's just pure attack mode, from wanda like i'm trying to find a way to articulate what you're saying as well about that you you just have pure it's not rage but just completely always on the offensive it's a horrifying thought because there are no restrictions for her and it's it ramps up the fear i had for a protagonist like to 11
1: why do you think vision let bucky go explore
0: you know, see, that's what I was getting at. Like, I didn't quite, it didn't feel like anything that was motivated by character choice. It just felt like, okay, we need this to be revealed. So he let them go. But Nick, you're right. Like what he knew what he'd find. Why didn't he put up a fight?
1: Do you think he was like guilty or do you think he just needed to get them separated or like, or was it, do you think it was just like, we need to move the story forward
2: on? You know what? I honestly, I think it, and it felt like we need to move this story forward. Mm -hmm. um which is unfortunate because i think they had a better out uh you they could have had vision try to stall bucky and okoye could have had some kind of wakandan tech like beep go off because t'challa is in the area and then she take off running for looking for t'challa And so even if Vision said, wait, she's not going to listen. And that gets you a character going out and coming across Scarlet Witch and Vision, you know, trying to prevent that or prevent them from finding out.
1: Do you think he was trying to feed him to her? Like, because he said, like, she hasn't eaten in days. Like, do you think he was like... You're not gonna find out what you're looking for, but you're probably gonna die. Like he was like trying to like.
2: <laughs> you know what? It's possible. Like like maybe it, it could be that's why he let him go as well, thinking like she needs to eat.
0: So that, that's is what cause to answer your question, Nick. I mean, I, I I think I made it clear where I fall and it just being dictated by needing to move forward. But I really enjoy the way you framed it as a possible meeting them halfway, where Vision might be feeling a little guilty. You know, he has that scene where he eventually gives himself up and takes the Mind Stone out so that they can move forward, but he can't live with what he's done. So they, I think there is some truth to that feeling guilty and wanting to be caught. And that's why he let Bucky go. So if I can meet the episode halfway, I like your point a lot there.
1: It helps me just kind of like, you know, like excuse maybe what could have been, you know, for like, yeah, maybe Vision's like
2: feeling a little guilty. Yeah, but I do find that interesting because in the moment for me watching it, I didn't, it didn't take me out of it. And I think it just goes back to the stuff that me or, you know, people are willing to let go in animated shows.
0: I think there's a lot of suspension of disbelief that this episode asks of us
2: which is okay and I'm willing to give that on 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 these. You know, there's I don't know what it is, there's something about animated cartoons that that we let more go than we do with live action things when we know it's clearly fictional.
0: Yeah. You know, another thing that I wanted to zone in on is as the story progresses and we see our heroes one by one be picked off Uh, from Wanda attacking, there's a moment where Bruce goes into the fray and he almost gets bitten, but the Hulk transforms and it saves him. And so that was the moment where he learns like, okay, all right, I I can get through it this way. And he goes charging head first and is eventually overrun by zombies. And he has that moment where he transforms fully and starts taking them out. This episode gave us that celebratory Hulk moment that we should have gotten in either of the last two Avengers movies. And I'm so glad we got it here.
1: It also made me think of uh, in Ragnarok where he jumps out of the helicopter. Yes. And like falls onto the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> and but we also know that like, you know, when he tried to shoot himself in the mouth like he's like the big guy who spit the bullet out. So is it can Bruce Banner not die? Like cuz when he fell out of that um out of the helicopter or what is it the, hel- the spaceship like he probably would have broken some bones in that fall like when he transforms it transforms into hulk do you think he just like heals all of his manly wounds too like i don't know because like when he fell like he fell and plopped onto the bridge and then then transformed yeah
2: hmm that's a good question i'm not
0: sure on that. It, it's like a healing factor
2: but i don't know if he officially has a healing factor
0: yeah i guess not now
2: getting into the minutiae of comics. So like if <laughs> if if Bruce Banner turns into a zombie, does Hulk turn into a zombie?
0: Based on the Funko Pops I've seen, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <sighs> now, you know, it, it reminds me of, and I'm going to butcher this, but there was a quote about Stan Lee where I think somebody had written into him about like, hey, in this fight, who would win? And he mentioned whoever the writers wanted to win. Like, it's just like, it's the story it dictates whoever, like whoever wins is the person that the story is making the most impactful moment about. So not, not to like completely put out the fun of trying to speculate, but I think it's just different runs take different stabs at how that stuff plays out.
1: Yeah. Like that's, that's, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about yeah. a zombie zombie. <laughs> episode here like we can suspend the disbelief just like you jude you said you know
2: (laughs) yeah well but i mean if you think about the zombie genre and the number of characters that died along the way um and me thinking about watching the walking dead which i only got a certain number of seasons there was more main characters killed in this one episode than what walking dead did over a couple of seasons
1: they definitely were not shy
2: i mean by the end there was what by the end, it was, you know, Ant-Man's head, <laughs> Peter, MVP. and who was the other one? And T'Challa, Black Panther. T'Challa, missing a leg. Yeah. Yeah, like, like, that's the only three left. You know, Vision wasn't there, and God, what a way to do it, the Thanos way to himself. Yeah.
0: And either they sampled his scream from Infinity War, or he's incredible to be able to do that again in the recording booth i wonder
1: well i I was i wonder if um oh gosh the name just left me paul bettany having done so much voice work uh, as jarvis before previously was really like uh already so good at doing just like voice work that he was able to just really harness it because i thought he did a great job um with his character um You know, but having done that for however many years, just as a voice to come in and now just like kind of nail the voice takes, like, you know, I wonder if he was just good enough to pull that out again, you know?
0: I imagine so. Nick, I'm glad you brought that up for two reasons. The first reason, I totally forgot Paul Bettany's name as well. So you just jogged my memory. (laughs) And then two, that's a really good point because like I'm, uh, throughout the entirety of the series, I am keeping it in the back of my head of like, okay, who has the most experience of contributing a, a voice to a non-physical presence and you're right he he had a lot of experience with jarvis and i'm almost positive that has to translate
2: i think across the board though this was a really good our, our voice acted very well
1: yeah i agree
0: you know i, I want to circle back to a point you were making jude about by the end of the episode we're left with only three of our survivors i i gotta be honest i didn't have a lot of notes in this episode or this act, I should say. And part of it was I wrote this cliffhangers in my one off. Like, what is this? Like, we had Bucky being sent flying off. We had Hulk versus Wanda. And then we had them arriving at Wakanda with Thanos. And it left me wondering of like, are we ever going to return to this? Or do we read it as the people who were isolated like Bucky or Hulk? Are they just goners? And Peter, T'Challa, and Scott are our last three remaining fighters by the end. I think so. You don't think we'll ever see a return to
2: this? I really don't. I mean, unless that's what season two turns into, picking
0: up where all these left off. What about you, Nick? Well,
1: do you guys. So I was going to save this for Stray Thoughts, but um, do you guys like the zombie genre of, of movies?
0: Yes. Well,. I don't think I quite have zombie fatigue, but I am at the point where I've seen so many zombie stories that it has to be really well done for me to be invested. So I don't hate it, but I am a lot more pickier than I used to be.
2: So my experience of zombies
0: was in Vegas is going
2: (laughs) to (laughs) be. Sorry. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, my experience with zombie genre is kind of limited, actually. Uh, like, I remember wanting to see this in the theater, and my dad brought me, and it was the remake of Night of the Living Dead. And, and remake might not even be accurate, because I think they did it kind of shot for shot, but just in color, you know? Uh, unlike the, the, black, the original black and white. So I saw that in the theater. Um, I remember seeing the movie The Serpent and the Rainbow, which was a 1988 movie, but the zombies in this was much more the the voodoo type zombie. It's not the, the zombie genre most people are familiar with. I watched Walking Dead. I love Shaun of the Dead, and I saw World War Z but never read the book, so I didn't have issues... Well, I don't say I didn't have issues. Didn't have issues with the movie. I didn't have the same issues with the movie as uh, people that read the book. Other than that, like I typically horror movie wise prefer like the poltergeist, ghost, demonic kind of you don't see them, the Conjuring type stuff. Mm. Um, if that makes sense. So. You know, and then and then my wife, as much as like she grew up on horror movies, because uh, her mom loves them, just doesn't like this. Zombies is the one thing that scares her, and it's so weird. Zombies is the one thing that scares her, so she doesn't really want to watch it. And my fifth grader, who gets freaked out when my oldest is watching Criminal Minds, doesn't get bothered <laughs> one bit at all by zombies. She's like, yeah, whatever. Like so, yeah. Um, I have a weird relationship with zombies.
1: <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I think is kind of a trope of these zombie movies is that last sting. You know, that last like the heroes have made it this far. You kind of left with this hope at the end, where like you know a bunch of people, a bunch of the you know the ragtag crew has passed, sacrificing themselves. All these kind of tropes that we've talked about through the episode, and then you get to the end, credits roll, and then all of a sudden you're watching a found footage of them running away they finally getting to the island like i'm thinking uh uh zack snyder's dawn of the dead you know they finally make it away off the boat uh there's been the huge uh, and then um there's the found footage where there's zombies on the island you know it's like oh okay so and i, I kind of i like that when in a, in a lot of zombie movies i feel like when we're dealing with a zombie apocalypse a lot of the time it's like you see this little chapter but the apocalypse of the zombies still happened, and, like, everyone still died. And I kind of like that, that, That I feel like that is a trope of zombie movies, and so for them to kind of do that as far as, like, you think we're all good, and then at the end, here's the little stinger, like, nope, it's it's still the apocalypse, and it's still messed up. And now, not only is the zombie apocalypse, but Thanos is there, and so I, I don't necessarily think we're gonna see it in season two. I think it's, I I, I thought, I th- personally thought of it as, like, this is another homage to the, the genre of, like haha, you had all this hope, but like it's still the apocalypse, there's still zombies and it's still over, you know what I mean? I
0: I do like that they kind of leave it up to interpretation because it does play into that space of, of hey, here, you thought the day was saved, but here's the dread that persists because that is the embodiment of what zombies are they are this never ending force that does not tire and never wanes and is always taking presence in your mind, and so it does encapsulate that, but the message that they're also spreading is the hope that remains within that brutal beating of that feeling. So yeah, like it, it it's, I guess that's me choosing to read it that way because I can't go to back to back hopeless episodes after, after <laughs> Dr. Strange being entrapped for eternity to realize his mistake. Like I think, I don't know. I want to envision that they do surplant Thanos and are able to save the day again.
2: Um, New type, Nova on Instagram actually reached out to us and asked, "How did Thanos claim all the stones and still be zombified? Um, how did he get the Time Stone?" Which I, I mean, part of me wants to. I I just okay, it's cartoon. I'm going to let it go. Um, but it's what if there actually probably was a way that he got him, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. and probably <laughs> you know a mix of like, well, the the Avengers did, you know. Die off and become zombies. Um, but it does add to that dread that not just it's Thanos that, it, you know, and he has all the stones and is capable of using them. Uh, but, but I did think that was an interesting question. How did he get the stones? Um, you know, and I, I don't know. Part of me kind of wants to see that, like that, <laughs> that, that journey. You know, he's right there about to snap and he gets bit, so he can't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because, uh, Well, timeline wise, because this uh, the zombie apocalypse takes place right roughly around the exact same time or right before the snap happens. So in theory, he could have already had most of the stones right before he got zombified. Right.
0: Yeah. So that was that was part of the question of like, how did it happen? And I thought about it from my understanding, because you're right, this does take place in kind of that Infinity War uh, time frame. I assume everything space side happened like it happened in the movie, except probably easier for Thanos to get the reality stone and the space stone because Tony and Steven and Peter Parker were not there to help the guardians fend hmm. off on uh, Titan. And we saw how Thanos already steamrolled them on nowhere. So I'm pretty sure he gets all the stones he got prior to earth fairly easily. Uh, the Time Stone, I'm assuming, was still in the Eye of Agamotto, and we know that Strange is already taken care of, so I assume that one was pretty easy as well, which I think just leaves the Mind Stone.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so my last kind of thought about Act 3 uh, was, the I, you know, I, I took as many notes as I can, but the one that got circled, like, 90 times was, <laughs> did you guys hear the Millennium Falcon? No. Where? Wait, are you serious? Yeah. Jude, did you hear the Millennium Falcon?
2: I missed that
1: when when the, they get on the ship to leave um, there's the, they I don't know if they're turning it on it's when T'Challa's like can you drive this thing he's like I think so they start it on and it does the Millennium Falcon I'm not going to go to hyperdrive wine the eh, eh, eh,
2: eh, eh, eh. Oh, wow. I need to go back and check that out again I completely <laughs> missed that
0: that's an amazing catch and impression but that's, that's a great <laughs> catch <laughs> Uh,
1: I, I I was just listening and like the Millennium Falcon noise. That's amazing, and like wrote it down in my notes and circled it.
2: Oh wow! I'm, I'm definitely gonna go catch that again.
0: I am- I imagine you like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme, <laughs> <laughs> just pointing at the screen.
1: Yeah, totally. And I I almost like uh, uh, I almost texted you, um, but I was like I need to save it for the pod because of course they heard it and of course we're all gonna laugh about it.
0: <laughs> oh no! I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna have to go find it. Yeah, I'm well, I'm so glad you joined us. That would have been completely lost on us.
1: I would have I would have uh, messaged you listening to the pod.
0: See, this is how we know you're a three-timer at this point. You you've fallen into that feeling of like I want to talk to my friends, but I have to wait until it's recorded. Oh <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, yeah. That's really cool, man. Thanks for bringing that up.
1: Yeah, definitely go back and, and listen for it. It's there. It's a uh, right yeah, right there at the end where they're turning on the the ship.
0: Mhm. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for act three, which means all we've got left is our stray thoughts. So, uh, starting with you, Nick, do you have any stray thoughts for this episode?
1: I'm, I'm just really excited to kind of see what's next. Um, you know, this, you know, like we've talked about pretty much all this time, this really did kind of reset the bar for uh, the way they're telling the stories and how they're kind of letting the stories stand on their own and not, you know, having to rehash, um, You know like what happened before or anything like that they're really just kind of dropping us in so i'm really excited to see you know what's what's next with what if you know and um going back to the last episode like i feel like there wasn't as much watcher in this one as far as like were we wondering if the watcher is ever gonna like step in and do something you know Um, and then having this one kind of mold the mcu regular timeline with this new timeline i'm really they're really kind of starting to get to this point where if they're going to do something that's going to connect it all, I'm really excited to see. And it, sh- it feels like it's, it's coming soon.
2: I'm wondering, we keep talking about that. Do you, if we get to the end of this and they don't have kind of a through thread, you know, mm-hmm. um, is that going to maybe disappointing or change how you view these episodes as a whole?
1: For me, I, I'm not going to be disappointed at all, and it actually would make me even more excited for uh, season two, because if they if they do a season two, I, I love these little vignettes. I think they're really cool, and I think it really fits the whole what if, you know, as far as, like, the comics went as well, like, just these one-offs, like, yeah, what if? Like, let's just talk about, like, the quick, you know, repercussions of these small uh, changes or these big changes, and I, I think it's, it's just a cool idea and a cool way for you to just kind of get these stories out and not have to connect everything um if it is connected i'm gonna be stoked and if it's not i'm still totally in
0: i think for me if there is a if there isn't a through line i hope that emboldens them to be more brazen with the stories they're trying to tell because right now it does feel like they're clinging on to the prime timeline a little bit too much and the ones i enjoy the most is the one that breaks away from that so if we get to the end of this and there isn't a through line season two i think definitely has to take a firm step in towards a firm step towards the wilder side of the possibilities for me.
2: Well, I, it makes me wonder when, when you say that, when you need to consider what they're pulling from, you know, I mean, to have the, what if it, it you you have to pull from something that's already been established. Right. But in season two, what I think is going to be exciting is that we're going to get, well, I'm assuming because it's out there now um, you can have a, what if off a of black widow, a, what if a, of Shang, Chi, um, you can have a, what if off the Disney plus shows, maybe, you know, like, like those are, will be on the table now, which would be, you know, an exciting territory to take it.
1: Yeah. Like what if Loki and, uh, had killed the, the Kang in the end of, uh, yeah. Loki? you know, like, yeah. Oh
2: yeah. Yeah. that's interesting. What if, I don't know, the new cap didn't stop the truck.
0: all right, dude, what other straight thoughts you got?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, honestly, the other straight thought, uh, kind of similar to what, uh, Nick just said at towards the end, catching the millennium Falcon, which I realized that wasn't straight thought, but I saw somewhere where somebody said that they spotted Deadpool as a zombie. (gasps) What? Um, it was a little bit of a stretch uh, it admitted, but it was like one of the zombies looked like it had double swords, like off the back. Um, and there was speculation that that was Deadpool. Uh, so I'm not sure I'd have to go look. Um, and it could be, again, just the wishful thinking, you know, Oh, look, there's Mephisto. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it would be, Hmm. Well, it might not be, I wouldn't pass, put it past Marvel for that to be the case. So that's that's kind of my stray thought. Just wondering, you know, is were wh- there Deadpool or any other kind of Easter eggs within the zombies themselves?
0: It felt like this would be a perfect place to put stuff like that in there because there's no rule that says the mutants have to be live action first. You can kind of slow roll them in there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah,
2: and there's no rule as a what if for them to, you know, have to to make sense within the rest of the mcu because we're just pondering what if
0: what if (laughs) well for me i got a couple of stray thoughts i'll run through them pretty quickly uh first one uh whenever banner is picked up by peter parker he's going don't eat me don't eat me don't eat me (laughs) that's a funny moment on its own but it made me realize Banner has no idea who Spider-Man is, which makes his fear that much funnier to me. Because in Infinity War, he goes, we have an Ant-Man and a Spider-Man. So it lines (laughs) up perfectly with what Banner knows. And I love that he's just so afraid of him. (laughs) Uh, Another stray thought. You know, we talked about the video earlier. Uh, Something that stood out to me is that a lot of the levity and hope rest on the shoulders of spider-man in this episode and it's very visually indicated by in that video that he makes all the participants he gets except for kurt are begrudgingly helping him put together this video and it gives such a nice snapshot of like under the weight of the apocalypse they know this is silly but they're still giving in to the whims of peter parker who's just having fun with it and i like that mm-hmm. that's just a nice little microcosm of the thing they're trying to tell
2: yeah yeah oh one last one last straight thought baba yaga,
0: <laughs> baba yaga. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i had that written down too it's so i love that that's getting legs here in this uh this episode wait wait
1: but you know what's because uh, he refers to Ghost in Ant-Man 2 as Baba Yaga, but Ant-Man 2 wouldn't have happened the same way because or would it? Would he just be calling this Baba Yaga as well?
0: That's a good point. I don't think the events of Ant-Man or the Wasp happen
1: because... But they did. Because no, they, no, he, it did. Because that's where the, the, the quantum realm is where the virus came from.
0: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Huh. I recant what I said.
1: So I wonder if Ghost exists in this universe.
0: Hmm.
1: Huh. Anyway, just a a stray thought off your stray thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple more. Uh, Peter as the pop culture meta horror commentary character is perfect. We know he already has that love for pop culture, and I'd like that he becomes that character in this. Um, w- and speak one more on Peter Parker. Hudson Thames as Peter Parker, I think, did a really incredible job voice wise. He captured that familiarity of Tom Holland while also, again, being something on its own. Finally, he did,
1: he did such a good job. I just now realized that wasn't Tom Holland. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. Like, like he did such a good job that not just that it wasn't Tom Holland. I, I do get a little bit annoyed. I see some headlines and they're very clickbait headlines that are like the new Spider-Man actor, you know, or Tom Holland's replacement. And I'm just like, "Eh, no, he just, go away.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, Wow. He did great. I, I honestly thought it was Tom Holland.
0: Yeah. He's got that excitement to his voice that Tom Holland brings. Yeah,
2: yeah. I wonder what if. Y'all keep going. I'm gonna. I'm just curious. What else he's
0: been in? Okay. Uh, I got one more. There's a moment where Vision is directing the remaining heroes where to go, and he says, "There's a quad jet in the hangar." Am I being over analytical about this, or it, why did he call it a quad jet instead of a quinjet?
1: Because there's only four engines instead of five. Because I'm guessing it's a different universe. Okay. that's a good catch that's a really good catch because i I heard him say it but i didn't think about it but now you're saying it like
2: yeah i got i got nothing on that but
0: yeah you're right mm -hmm. wow
1: well that's a good that's a good catch
0: it just stood out to me because it was like i'm so used to them referring to it as a quinjet and it's just a fun look at the alternate universe of like nah they use quad jets (laughs) here they're not a they're not a quinjet rated universe (laughs) (laughs) huh well done also, this, I, I'm buying some time for Jude if he's still looking, but you reminded me You know what? I'm,
2: I'm looking, but there's nothing on there that I see. It was like, oh, you played somebody in Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you played like like individual TV series, TV series, you, you know, uh, a lot of TV series, one, to one or two episodes here or there. Um, and then like an episode in Mad Men, a couple of episodes where he had a recurring role for about four or five episodes, but nothing that I'm. That for me personally is like really sticking out. That's like, oh, he was in that, you know.
1: um, This is a kind of a throwaway, but apparently in Captain Marvel, there's a quad jet.
0: Oh, oh okay.
1: Uh, so never interesting. mind. Interesting. Interesting. But then it makes you think, like, why is there a quad jet there, not a quinjet? Like, what happened in this timeline to make it so they didn't adopt quin- uh, quinjets?
0: It's a fun rabbit hole.
1: It is a fun rabbit hole. <laughs>
0: Well, that's going to do it for our Stray Thought, but like we did it last week, we're going to read through some of the user-submitted first takes that we got for this episode. Starting with Kin, we got this one in that says, It's a good mix of humor, sadness, and hope. I guess this is getting a second part, or I hope it gets one. Once again, Ant-Man is the most dangerous hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's playing back to what you were saying earlier nick <laughs> yes truly truly dangerous
2: and also like what you were saying about you know wanting to see what happens to these three you know um you know I hate to just see this one on a cliffhanger yeah yeah uh our next one we got is from my cousin uh paul uh i just finished it, it wasn't my favorite It was kind of totally weird. Maybe abject despair wouldn't work in something like this, but all of the jokes that happened anytime one of their friends, even if they were zombies, uh, was killed just felt wrong to me. If it weren't for the tone issues I had, I would have really liked this uh, because of the idea of heroes still maintaining their powers as zombies is a ton of fun.
0: Yeah. This was the one that got me really thinking about tone because it wasn't something that I was immediately drawn to as being distracting in my first watch through. But I think he does have a point that they are playing with tone in a, in a goofy way. Cause even, Mm -hmm. even in the moment where, uh, Okoye slices Sam in half and she says, I'm sorry, that's your friend. He responds with a joke that says, I should feel sad, but I don't. And it's just like, (laughs) Okay, yeah, I, I see where Paul's coming from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next one we got in is from Ben Maddie on Instagram, which says Love the episode. Felt like a whole zombie film in half an hour. Definitely want another one. Two. And then it cut off, but they messaged us on Instagram to say, I didn't realize there was only so much you could type in these. I definitely, <laughs> want, another me- I definitely want another episode to wrap things up or maybe a whole animated show or movie.
1: Ben, if you really enjoy the zombie uh, Marvel stuff, I strongly suggest you pick up the Marvel Zombies comics. They're wonderful and they will kind of give you what I think you are looking for. So go ahead and pick them up.
2: Yeah, those are really really good, really popular. Yeah.
0: Nick, I always forget you're you're such a great resource when it comes to comics. You have a, a good knowledge of them. Is there any particular zombie story that stands out?
1: uh the first one like really kind of where they um they introduce the whole idea of marble zombies is really fun and really like it's silly and over the top and gory and just kind of like wild uh but they're really fun also the dc zombies i know we don't talk a lot about dc get out or, you know it's i know oh i'm just I'm gonna. gonna go ahead <laughs> <laughs> let me play myself out here <laughs> uh, but the dc zombie one is also really really fun too um but if, if you enjoy the whole zombie uh, Marvel thing, definitely check them out. And I think I think a lot of them do interconnect, uh, but they're fun.
2: Nice. The next one we have fun and creepy from Daniel.
0: Yeah. Fun and creepy. I think that I think it's surprising how horrific this episode was able to get being silly as well. Like they did pull off some of the horror aspects of this, too.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: And finally, this one comes in from our friend TK over on There Was an Idea, Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, where she says, I said this on my episode, but man, I would have loved to be Ant-Man or a wasp on the wall in the writer's room that came up with the team in this episode. So, yeah, I, I think I'm kind of in that similar vein of appreciating the dynamics they were able to pull off between the team here. Yeah, yeah. And super excited to get to check her episode out, because as of this recording, I think she just put it out today. So we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Nice. Well, yeah. Well, Nick, I just want to say thank you so much for doing this, man. As always, it has been so much fun getting to chat MCU with you.
1: It's always so fun to come on here and and be with you guys. Uh, I just I, I love getting the texts from Trey where it's like, hey do you want to come on another episode? It's always like, yes, when can I come on? It's so much fun to talk with you guys.
2: Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, And just while you're on, just the, the, what you did in the turnaround for our, what if bonus episode was amazing. Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It was, it's just one of those things that, you know, Trey texted me like, Hey, no pressure. Can you like come (laughs) up with another, one of these things in like, I don't know, a day. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah no heads up no warning just like hey do this <laughs> one so sorry two thank you so much <laughs> yeah
1: no it was so fun i loved i loved the challenge of it so and it was cool
0: yeah of course if you want you should definitely be following nick sandy across the internet you can find him on twitter at Nick underscore Sandy. Or if you want to check out some of his photography, you can find Nick underscore Sandy Photography. A lot of great photos, a lot of great work. Definitely worth a follow. As for us, you can always find us on social media at MCU you Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work to put up some bonus content. So stuff that you won't find in this episode, but little extra goodies that you can find on those feeds, as well as earlier access to some of our quick thoughts. So we don't put these episodes out until the Monday after the episode airs. But if you want to know what we think before then, you can always follow us on those accounts to get a little taste of what we thought of the episode.
2: And of course, if you come join the discord, uh, you can speak with us uh, and about these episodes as we go. Uh, make sure when you're there, you go to the roll assign, click on the eye emoji That way you'll get access to all the spoiler channels. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you give us a rating and review. The feedback is always helpful. And of course, if you like what you listen to, please, you know, share with a friend and let's have a larger conversation. Yeah.
0: We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on his SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. Well, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. Nick and Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Trey. Thanks
1: so much for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you, Nick. We'll see you all next week. Hmm. Uh,
2: yeah, you know- Nick Sandy. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I Micro- just drop my <laughs> mic real quick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, were you coming in with some dude? No. Oh, I thought you said wait, wait, wait. No, No, when
2: you usually Trey, when you do the mic drop, you signaling you're leaving. Like I,
0: I was, I was doing- oh, I didn't hear you say mic drop. That's what they cut out. <laughs> oh. And I was that was weird that Nick's like, let me just drop my mic real quick. I was like, okay. <laughs> no, because I said I said Nick Sandy. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that at all. Freaking remotely, man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, go on. Flex Nick. I like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs>